0: Hebrews chapter number four and verse number fourteen through sixteen. Hebrews is a very important book of the Bible. It uh, for several reasons, but one of which is it teaches us about Christ. Bring being our great high priest uh, and how he fulfills um the role of the high priest. Uh, we no longer have a necessity for the priesthood, as in the old testament. And uh so we're gonna be looking at the role of Jesus Christ as our great high priest and our mediator. And so let's look at verse number 14. Hebrews 4 and verse number 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, Yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would bless now as I speak on this topic of Christ, our mediator and great high priest. Lord, help us to understand the incredible. Importance of this truth. And Lord, help us to see the practical implications in our daily lives. Lord, help me as I speak. Lord, help us to um, understand this truth in a new way. I pray for those who may be listening who may have never placed their faith and trust in you for their salvation. Help them to discover their need for a Savior and help them to realize the incredible Sacrifice and role that you have in saving us. Lord, help them to choose you as their savior today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Have you ever fallen for a scam? In the GTA, we get scam calls all the time. I think a recent um, article that came out said 25%, 50% of phone calls that people get on their phones are scam calls and uh and they make money or they wouldn't do it and what is a scam a scam is when they trick people uh into getting into getting their money and so essentially what it is is that not all of the information is false meaning uh one of the some of the ones i've gotten recently you have a package that's stuck at the border and, uh, and so in order to get this package across the border, you need to provide us with this information. And uh, is there such thing as a border? Yes. Is there such thing as packages being stuck at the border? Probably so. Um, and so they use a little bit of truth in order to get you to trust them. And then what you do, what they do with that trust is they ask you for the information. They steal the information. They use it to steal your money, okay? Um, and so they'll do that in many different ways. I'm sure this is one of the things where um, we need to provide this warning to the new immigrants here in the GTA and let them know, <laughs> don't fall for this. They're trying to steal your money, right? Um, and so there are so many different scams that are out there, Um one of the most uh by the way the the age that is most commonly taken in scams is actually from the ages of eighteen to twenty four I think it said when I googled what ages are the ones that fall um, for these scams they feel big, they feel grown up, finally eighteen, finally of the legal age and uh and the, and and they don't know about the way the world is really officially run. And so they fall for these scams. And so, um, and I'm going somewhere with all of this about the scam. Just a moment here. If you Google the scam, this is his Instagram name is hush puppy. And he lives in Dubai, originally from the country of Nigeria. Now he happens to be from Nigeria. Scammers can be from any country, from any race, his real name is Ramon Abbas, known to his 2.5 million Instagram followers as Hush Puppy, is considered by the FBI to be one of the world's most high-profile fraudsters and faces a prison sentence of up to 20 years in the U.S. after pleading guilty to money laundering. And there's the source there, bbc.com uh, slash news slash world africa So if you look up, he's on there. He was, uh, and so what they do is they come up with these really detailed and intricate scams. And uh, one one of the people that he was trying to scam was actually the premier football league from England. And he was trying to steal 100 million British pounds from them. And what they do is they will uh, send an email to, for example, the Premier League and say that the, the, the way that you usually transfer money has changed. There's now a new account and they'll change everything except for one letter. Everything will be the same except for just one letter or one digit. And then they'll send money. Now, they would the Premier League would not admit as to what team. Right. But what ends up happening is they'll try to they'll they'll trick people into doing these big bank transfers and they they, all of the money comes to their account. So he's living in Dubai as a millionaire. The watch he's wearing is a Philippe uh, Patek. I'm not even sure how to pronounce it. It's a two hundred and fifty four thousand dollar watch. $254,000 Two hundred and fifty-four thousand dollars watch, and of course, his clothes. And if you look up on Instagram, he's driving these really expensive cars. And what's what's incredibly interesting when I looked up is he's still on Instagram. You can look him up. Hush puppy, put it in there. <laughs> and what's amazing is some of his some of his uh, uh, posts will will he'll show a picture in all of his wealth. Leaning, he's leaning on the on a hood of a of a, a Bentley right here, a really expensive car. And and on and on the post it'll say something like, "I'm so blessed. God is so good. I'm so blessed." Is he? No, he's stealing money. <laughs> he's a thief, right? Uh, And by the way, you look down at a couple of posts later and then he'll talk about things like the prostitutes that he's waiting for and things like that. So what I'm trying to say is that we really have to be cautious that we're not being scammed. Right? So what makes Christianity different from all these other religions? Are they all equally the same? Are they all a scam, as some people would have us believe? When we get to Jesus Christ, our great high priest and our mediator, what he did for us and what he is doing for us at this moment proves that it's not a scam. That we're not being told a little bit of the truth And we're just really being taken advantage of. Christ is our great high priest. Christ is our mediator. Let's look at our verses once again. Let's look at um, Hebrews 4 and verse number 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Okay, what is a high priest? A high priest or a priest is someone who is a go between. A priest is someone who is going to God for the people and going to people uh, from God. So they're the one that's going in between. And the priest in the Old Testament would come into the holiest of holies with the blood um, of the animals and offer it for the sins of the people once a year. And then he would, when he came back out, When he came back out of the Holy of Holies, right? And into the presence of the people, that proved that God accepted the sacrifice, right? And so he did that once a year. Well, here's the thing about Jesus Christ. He offered himself for our sins. And as it says in in the verse, he's passed into the heavens or he's passed into the true Holy of Holies to God the Father, But he didn't didn't just die and he didn't just go into heaven. He also came back to us to show to us his sacrifice of himself has been accepted by God. And therefore, we are free. We are forgiven if we place our faith and trust in Christ. He is, as the verse says, he is the great high priest. Another way of thinking that is he is the final high priest, the greatest high priest. Um, and it says that he's passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, and then it gives us something for us to, uh, a practical application. Let us Hold fast our profession. Jesus offers us proof so that we know we are not being scammed. His word can be examined for error. It can be trusted and tried by believing it by faith. His resurrection is sure. He gives us his presence. He gives us answers to prayer. I uh, saw this short clip from a... A lady who was originally from Jordan um, the country of Jordan and she grew up Muslim her whole life And she said whenever she prayed to Allah she never felt his presence and she never got an answer to prayer well there is some truth in the fact that there is a great God who has created everything but it comes short when you pray to him and you never get an answer to prayer well how do we know that we're not being scammed how do we know that we're not Um, being lied to, how do we know that we can trust Jesus Christ? Because when we pray to him, he answers our prayer. When we come to him, we can feel and know his presence. We, we, We should not become hypersensitive so that everything is the presence of God. Some people want to go around and they want to be really spiritual and they want to touch your hand and say, oh, do you feel that? No, you feel cold, wear some gloves, it's cold outside, right? Or maybe their hand is especially warm because they are wearing gloves and you aren't wearing gloves, but they want to, they want to, they want to prove that what they believe is real because when they touch you, it feels incredibly nice and warm and comforting. That's just weird. That's not Bible, right? But we can't divorce the fact that when we pray to God, we know his presence, we can feel his presence. We know that it's true because he's there and he's helping us. He is comforting us. He gives us promises of truth for us to trust and try out. Look at, look at verse number 12, Hebrews 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is quick. What does that mean? What is quick? Quick sorry, alive. The word of God is alive. Look, uh, we as believers, we understand that when we read the word of God, there's something that speaks to us. God speaks to us in our heart. It's alive and it helps us and saves us. How can that be? Because Jesus Christ is not a scam. Say it with me together, ready? Jesus Christ is not a scam, ready? Jesus Christ is not a scam. You say, pastor, this seems like such a shallow thing. I'm gonna show you, and we're gonna see from scripture that Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross, but also what he's doing for us right now at this moment makes Christianity actually work. He's the one that keeps the machinery of faith working. When we pray, why is it that we get answers to prayer? Because Jesus Christ is our great high priest. Why is it that we can come to him for help? Because Jesus Christ is our great high priest. He is active right now, making sure that when we have faith in him, it actually works. It actually works to put faith and trust in his promises who why is it that the word of god is alive why is it that it is quick who makes it alive what makes it alive god makes it alive jesus makes it alive because he lives his word makes it alive we've got to understand that he is behind the word of god working He is the one that actively makes his promises true in our life. He is behind the situation that you're in right now. And when we come to him and we come to his promises and we receive, our faith is strengthened. Where does that strength come from? It comes from him being active in our life, behind the scenes, unseen, and yet he is there. He's the great high priest. Yes, and we're not going to focus so much on his, his sacrifice on the cross and him offering his blood to God. But the point I'm trying to make or the, the, the focus of today is that he's the one who actively makes Christianity work right now, today in your life. He's the one that, first of all, he makes the word of God true in our life. His activity makes the word of God True in our life. Let's go ahead and we'll continue to read verse number 12. It says, For the word of God is quick, it's alive. Who makes it alive? God makes it alive. Why is it alive? Because he is alive. If he was not alive, the word of God would not be alive. And it says, Powerful. What makes the word of God powerful? Jesus, his activity in our lives makes the word of God powerful. How can we trust the power of the word of God? Because the word of God is from God himself. It is from Jesus Christ himself, the living word of God. If he was not alive, if he was not real, the word of God would not be powerful. It would not be powerful to help us. It would not be powerful to warn us. It would not be powerful to correct us. It would not be powerful to change us. How does the word of God change us? Because he's the great high priest. He is behind the scenes actively when we come, when we are prompted to read the word of God, when we are encouraged in our hearts to believe the word of God, when we read the word of God and it directly in that moment speaks to me exactly what I need to see, exactly what I needed to hear in that exact moment, how does that happen? It's because he is alive. He is real. He is our great high priest. This is part of his activity as our great high priest. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God has the ability. You know, people try to go to these tarot reading card places. They want their fortune told, right? You see them all over the place and in certain neighborhoods. They're everywhere. Drive down the road and they've always got the little hand that's up and some little something, some dot in the hand or something. And what do you do? You go in there and you pay for them to tell you something. It's a scam. Listen, before you need your fortune told about the future, you need the Word of God to read your heart and tell you where you are right now. How many of you have ever gone onto Google Maps and tried to find a place to go and find directions? Of course, we all have. Listen, is there anything more frustrating? Then trying to find directions to, let's just pick Walmart or somewhere like McDonald's. And the first thing that comes up on your Google Maps for the suggestion is the McDonald's in Houston, Texas. Look, I'm not anywhere close to Houston, Texas. Don't you know where I am? We expect our, listen. Listen. We expect our cell phone to know where we are. You're here. I went to McDonald's on Bloor in Toronto. I don't want the McDonald's in Houston, Texas. We get so upset with our phone when we want directions for something that's a kilometer away. And yet we come to God and, and we think, I don't want to read the word of God. God's like, listen, in order for you to have guidance to where you should go next, for the step you should take next, you need to allow the word of God to read your heart to tell you where you are right now. How can you get to where you need to be if you don't know where you are right now? Well, who makes that happen? How, does, how can a book tell me what my innermost thoughts and feelings are? It can't outside of the ongoing activity of Jesus Christ. And that is encapsulated in this doctrine of Jesus being our great high priest and mediator. Listen, do not believe this shallow garbage theology out there Where churches try to advertise as it being a good thing, we don't believe in doctrine. Look up the churches occasionally that are in town. And one of the things they'll advertise sometimes, usually it's non denominational churches, not all of them. We don't we don't teach doctrine, we don't make doctrine an issue. You don't teach? What is doctrine? The word doctrine means teaching. The word doctrine specifically means teaching. But when you go one step further than that, it means specific teaching. When I think about doctrine, when we we use the word doctrine, let's let's think about bones in our body. What would we look like come on now think about this for a moment what would we look like if we had no bones we'll ask our we'll ask our nurse in the room and oh man I, hey, what would your face look like if you just took the skull out my word no one would ever get married i promise you that you have great bone structure that would never you would never say that to anybody <laughs> Right? I mean, you would, I would be six feet, six, six feet, I would be a slug. We would be slugs. Crawling on the ground. I'll tell you what, if we didn't have bones, my back wouldn't hurt. <laughs> but you couldn't get around. All we need is muscle and brain and blood. We don't need bones. How silly. How silly of us. And by the way, on the other side, some churches, all they have is bones. All it is, is doctrine, dry doctrinal dissertations and theology. And you walk in there and it's just like, man, it's a room full of skeletons. Doctrine by itself is scary. It's impractical. There's no life to it. So what do we need? We need bones. We need doctrine, but we also need meat. We need the muscles. You say, well, that's why we go to the gym, pastor. That's why, listen, without muscles, we couldn't walk. Without, your heart is a muscle. Without muscles, we could, we could not put any action into the bones. And that's why when it comes to true faith, you've got to have bones. What's the bones of this sermon? The bones of this sermon is the doctrine of Christ being our great high priest and mediator. That is a doctrine. Do not mess with my doctrine. If you mess with my doctrine, I cannot move correctly. But then the second thing is, is that with the bones, you've got to have the meat, you've got to have the muscle. True doctrine means true and correct movement in your life. If I believe the right thing, then I'm going to be able to move the right direction. Now let's see. And the last thing is this. We've got bones, we've got muscle, and then we've got breath. Bones, muscle, breath. Everybody say that with me. Bones, muscle, breath. One more time. Bones, muscle, and breath. What is the bones? The bones is the doctrine. Say it with me. The bones is the doctrine. One more time. The bones is the doctrine. The muscle, the muscle is the go faith. (laughs) We've got the go train. and, And the muscle is the go faith. Faith is not just believing. Faith, true biblical faith, means I believe this to the point where it's going to it's going to make me move. It's going to have some muscle behind the bone. Okay? And so we've got muscle. We've got bone and we've got breath. Breath is what the Bible, matter of fact, even in the Greek, pneuma, it means it means breath, it means spirit. It means means wind, right? What is a body that has bones and muscle? Well, that's a corpse. It's a dead body that hasn't deteriorated yet. It's a zombie, actually not even a zombie, because it has no life to move. What is Christianity? It's bones, muscle and breath. It's all three, it's a trichotomy. It's not just one thing. It's all things. Pastor, we're not too sure about doctrinal sermons. Oh, you don't want to have any bones to your faith? You just want to you just want to have muscles and just move. Nothing in this natural world that is just a muscle moves very fast. How fast do slugs move? How fast to, no, nothing. You've got to have skeletal structure. You've got to have some bones, Pastor, why does the Bible work when I read it? Well, because Jesus is alive. You know what that's called? The doctrine of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just like a bone. You cannot break that doctrine and Christianity still work right. And just like what Jesus is doing for us right now, he is our mediator. He is our great high priest. And if you break that and crumple it up and say, no, 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 no. We don't want to talk about doctrine. We just want to worship. We just want to feel. Don't you feel that? Look, if all you do is the only thing you're looking for when you come to church is feeling, That's all just spirit. That's all just breath. And and, and spirituality is more than just feeling, but it is included in that. And that's the life. What gives the church life? God Himself. It It is spirit. And so we've got to have all three we've got to have true spirituality, we've got to have true action, and we've got to have true doctrine. We've got to have the bones, the muscle, and the breath. What do we have to have? Say it with me. Bones, muscle, and breath. Sometimes all we want is the muscle, we want the skills. Pastor, this is what I'm going through. What do I do? Okay? Let's talk about skills. Let's talk about finances. Let's talk about relationships. Let's talk about um, schooling. Let's talk about parenting. Let's talk about marriage. These are skills. These are, but they've got to be tied to the bones. How do we learn about relationships? We learn about relationships because when we study the doctrine about God, I should be like God in my relationship and that is tied to the doctrine of who God is. God is love, but he's also justice. God is righteous. God is holy God is pure because of all God is, is love. And that's the only bone we're willing to have in our doctrine of God. Everything becomes very weird. The world defines love as just acceptance. So we've got to understand that when we're talking about biblical Christianity, we've got to have each thing. Okay, now let's look at our verses and then we'll be done. I actually did need my microphone today and I didn't even realize it. So we can see the word of God is necessary and we can see the word of God is alive and it works and it reads us because of God, because of the activity of Jesus Christ being our great high priest. Let's look at verse number 13. When we, when we talk a little bit more about Jesus, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest. What is the word manifest? What does that mean? Manifest. It means open, right? When I I think of the word manifest, I think of like an open house. Okay, like an open house they're trying to sell. So when Jesus looks at me, is there any part of me that's closed off to him that he can't see? No, it's a completely open house to him. He can see everything. And that's what verse number 13 is saying. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So when, we're, when we get into Jesus Christ being our great high priest, the high priest in the Old Testament was just a man. okay, And he went to make atonement for the people every year. And he kind of sort of knew maybe some of the sins of what the people did, but in a way he kind of went in blindly, right? He just kind of went in and did his thing and then came back out. And there really wasn't a whole lot of help from him personally. There wasn't really much personal interaction between the great high priest or the high priest, the the Levitical high priest, and the people. Whereas when Jesus, when we're talking about our great high priest and then we're going to see Here in just a moment, he went into the heavens, but before he goes into the heavens, we also need to see that he can see us. He sees us. He sees us. Can I say this? Jesus sees you, he sees exactly where you're at, he sees your struggles. He sees your background. He sees your home life. He sees your relationship. He sees what you're like on your best days, on your most spiritual days, on the days that you pray the way that you want to, on the days you're most sensitive to the Holy Spirit, on the days when you obey him and you witness and you're doing everything great. And he sees you on the days when we don't even act like we know him all that well. He sees us on the days like when he saw Peter, when he cursed and denied Christ. He sees us on those days too. And the great high priest is still there for us and he's open. He doesn't come into, listen, he doesn't come into loving you from a position of blindness. He comes into loving you and helping you and pleading for you and making the word of God work for you, knowing exactly who you are. And even more so, he knows us better than we know ourselves. Because he's the one that makes his word when we read it, open our eyes and say, oh, that's what's really going on in my heart. So let's see in verse number 14. Seeing, that, seeing then that we have a great high priest, that's the bones, that's the doctrine of the great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. What is that? That's the muscle if we really believe that Jesus Christ is the great high priest that has passed into the heavens and the price has been paid and he's on our side and he sees everything and he can make his word work in our life to give us the strength, to, to give us the discernment and to, and to show us what we need to see, then we're going to hold fast our profession. Holding fast our profession is having faith in the doctrine of the great high priest, everything has been paid. And not only that, his activity is such that he can help you not to quit. Holding fast your profession also means to hold fast your confession, right? If, if confessing Christ, believing on him, he's saying, because I can, I'm doing what I'm doing and have done what I'm done, I can help you to be faithful. I can help you not to quit I can help you not to just throw up your hands and say phooey on this Christianity thing I'm just going to go do what everybody else is doing how not because I listen it's not because I am who I am it's because he is who he is it's based on him next verse 15 we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. If you look those words up, it, it truly means compassion and sympathy. It truly means this. It means that Jesus Christ actually feels exactly what you're feeling. It, he actually feels exactly what you're feeling. He knows. He's not a God that's afar off. He's a God that is nigh, that is close, that is right there. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. We have the doctrine, we have the muscle or the go or the action of faith. And then we can see here where it has the spirit. We we get so beat up and and, and messed up with our doubts and our fears. And we suffer spiritually. And we struggle spiritually. And when we read something like verse number 15, it's not just dry bones of doctrine. It's not God, listen, it's not just God coming to you and saying, this is the truth, go do it. It's God coming to you and saying, I feel what you feel. I can heal and help you with what you're seeing and feeling and your faith and your belief and your trust. I can help you with your breathing problem. (laughs) You know, one of the parts of exercising, they call it cardio, cardiovascular. Breathing at a high heart rate. Now, cardio is talking about the heart. But your heart gets to beating really fast and you're, you're breathing really hard because you're working hard. Well, here's the thing in Christianity God does not expect for you to have the strong bones of doctrine and then go and do what you're supposed to do without the strong ability to breathe and provide oxygen and, and strength to, to that activity. It all feeds off of Him. And it can feed off of him, and he knows exactly how to help you spiritual in spiritual strength and faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. That's spiritual. Because he's been there. He's not a high priest that's afar off. He's one that knows exactly. He doesn't just know exactly what you're feeling. The way this verse is worded is, he feels right now exactly what you're feeling. He knows. He feels it. Well, if he knows and he feels it, then when he's telling me to do something, he's not telling me to do it out of this dry, strict place of just bones. Or this dry, strict place of just do it. Just obey the rules. He's not doing that. He's trying to say, no, no, no. I know exactly what's going on. I know exactly who you are and I know exactly what the recipe is for your particular situation. Verse 15, uh, 16, last one. Gives us some some more muscle and some more spirit. Because he is who he is and because he feels what we feel and he was in all points tempted like as we are. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. To come boldly means not rudely, but almost to the point of you just, there, there is a difference between walking into your house And walking into someone's house and you've never been there before. I see it all the time because we have Bible study at my house. And when you see new people come in, oh, they're very like, whoa, they're not bold. They come in, they kind of inch their way in. Looking around, do people take their shoes off here? Okay, people take their shoes off and they take their shoes off and they where do they put their shoes? Okay, they put their shoes over here and then they kind of stand back and they kind of wait in the shadows and say, oh no, please come, come and sit here, right? And then they go and they sit down and then they just sit on the very edge of the couch. They're being so polite and so wonderful, it's amazing. They're sitting on the very edge of the couch as if by their politeness and, 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 and the, very, the very tiny bit of couch they're taking up, it's like, oh, I don't wanna to be too bold. This isn't my house. I'm new here, by the way. And then you have people that come all the time. They they don't even knock. They just open the door. They come right in. Pastor's house, been here a hundred times. No big deal. Kick the shoes off. Go in my fridge. Get themselves a bottle of water. By the way, go get you a bottle of water. I don't care. I think it's great. (laughs) Right? You've got your certain spot. You plop right down and that's a fantastic. And then there's me and my wife and my kids. We're not just familiar. That's our house. We live there. It's for us, right? It's like, it's like Marcus when he can't get in the door and he doesn't have the handle turned all the way. You can hear him, his little shoulder beating against the door trying to get the door to open up. And finally the door pops open. Kicks his shoes off. Stuff sprawled all over the place. Mom, where's that? Loud, you know. Boldness. Boldness. Hey, how can you act that way? Hey, this is my family. I live here. Do not forget that when we talk about Jesus Christ, he is our great high priest. We belong there in his presence. Because he is who he is and he did what he did, and he, he's feeling what we're feeling, don't come and think, I just can't say that to him. I can't tell him what I'm feeling. And he also says, and don't you think that I don't know what you need. I know exactly what you need. Don't tell me I'm wrong, because I know you. Come boldly. It, because of Jesus Christ, look at these next couple of words. I'll be done with this verse in just a moment. Because Jesus is our great high priest, it says that we should come boldly under the throne of grace. If it were not Jesus the high priest, that would not say grace. It would say judgment. It would say righteousness. Aren't you thankful? And not to pick on the Muslims. But again, this is just what popped into my head because we saw this little testimony on YouTube of this, of this girl that was from Jordan. And she said that she did, made some bad choices in life. And she went and read in the Quran and it said in the Quran, and she, she quoted the verses and they came up on the screen, that if you deny Allah and you have sinned, that there is no hope for you. There's no forgiveness. You have nothing to look forward to, but the burning of hell. Well, that doesn't sound anything like what this verse says. Why? Because Muhammad is not the great high priest. Allah is not the great God of forgiveness and love. Because Jesus Christ is our great high priest. He has passed into the heavens and we can come boldly unto the throne That God wants us to know the name of that throne is not justice. The name of that throne is not righteousness. The name of that throne is not holiness. The name of that throne is grace. Grace. How can it be the throne of grace? Because Jesus is the great high priest. The people who throw the doctrine out don't even know what grace is. They sing about it and they talk about it, but it, it's just—it's just a blob of flesh. It's just a bunch of wind blowing through the air. It doesn't give it any true meaning, because without the doctrine of the deity of Jesus Christ, his bodily death, the blood atonement, the bodily resurrection, and the doctrine of the high of Jesus being our great high priest, it means nothing. It just means he's nice to us. He's not just nice to us, guys. He paid the price for us to come boldly because of what he did. The throne has been permanently changed into the throne of grace. And it says that we may obtain what is obtain, have, in your hands have. How do we know that we've come boldly under the throne of grace and that God has heard us? Because we have something in our hands. We have something in our heart. Something is different when I go boldly to the throne of grace. And if I don't believe that, it's because I need to go back to the fact that Jesus is our great high priest and he can give me exactly what I need. Satan wants us to think, yeah, he can give you some things, but he can't give you Everything. There's just some problems that are too big for him to handle. You don't know how God give us the grace to believe how great a high priest you are. He's great enough to give us what we need when we come to him. And then he says the word again, and find grace. Isn't it amazing that he says i want you to find the grace but really the incredible thing about grace is that grace finds you isn't that good because of jesus being our high priest grace finds me grace is jesus leaving the 99 and going into the mountains and seeking the one and when he finds it grace finds what he's looking for hey Grace does not get tired of looking for in you what he wants to look for in you. He doesn't give up on you. He doesn't discard you. He doesn't throw you away. And when grace finds the lost sheep, what does he do? Oh, he beats it up. He scolds it. He whips it with his little stick and then runs off and leaves it lonely and tired and bleeding on the side of... No, 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 no. He scoops it up. Picks it up. And puts it around his neck and walks back. One of the evidences, listen, one of the evidences of the good grace of God in our life is that he puts us into a group with other sheep that have experienced his grace. Verse 16 says, let us. It doesn't say let you. Let you, singular. Let us. Let us find grace to help in time of need? How can we possibly find grace to help in time of need? Because Jesus Christ is our great high priest. He's the one that is actively right now making this whole thing work. He is actively looking for us to believe his promises, believe he is who he said he is, and to come to us in that time of need and give us the help and put it into our hands and put it into our hearts and put it into our minds exactly when we need it. Last illustration and I'll be done. When you look up the words to help in time of need, I've mentioned this before a couple years ago in church and I love this idea. But it's this idea of frapping a ship, not a frappuccino, okay? That's a fancy Starbucks drink that costs too much and it's all just ice cream anyway. It's not coffee, it's ice cream. Everybody knows that, okay? I'm going to Starbucks to get a coffee. You're going to Starbucks to get ice cream, okay? It's a smooth, it's a a milkshake. Back in the day, all of the ships were made out of wood and they were constructed completely of wood. They weren't made of steel, okay, or carbon fiber. They were all made out of wood. And sometimes the storm itself would be so violent on a ship that the waves that were crashing on top of the ship would begin to make the wood, the pieces of wood, come apart. It would actually break the ship to pieces. Not crashing against a rock, but the wave upon wave and the the violence of the crashing of the wave would cause the ship to come apart. And so they began to bring these very, very large ropes that when a storm would come in order to keep the ship from breaking apart from the violence of the storm, they would throw these ropes around the belly of the ship four or five times like a rubber band and they would they would tighten them so much that it would like kind of give the ship like a gigantic belt. And it would kind of like keep the ship nice and tight together during the storm. Just like a weightlifter's belt, they put on this really big tight belt around their middle so when they pick something up, they can keep nice and strong and tight and they can pick up the weight. And that's what is called frapping. they would frap the the ship. They'd call frapping the ship when a big storm would would come. And we need to understand that most oftentimes in life, when we are going through a storm, when we're going through a change, when we're going through a breakup and it seems like everything's starting to come apart, in that moment, We cry out to the great high priest and his grace begins to tighten around us so that even though the waves keep on crashing on top of us, we will not break apart. The ship will not be lost. We're going to make it through the storm because there is a great high priest that when we cry out to him, In that time of need, he strengthens us with the strong cords of his grace. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.